Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's Greetings, your host, this is Sharon Swain. Listen to my life. I am here today for recognizing with and responding to God in my story. Facilitator Sharon Swain. Jim Kelly. Hello, everybody. And co author of Listen to My Life, Sybil Towner. Hi. And to just introduce the two of them with just those particular pieces of what they do is minimizing at. <laughs> at best so you'll have to find out more about them and in, uh, in, in some other ways listen in as we uh, talk about something related to the valley experiences map which is map number four out of the listen to my life maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story materials and in the middle of this map there's how do I grieve in healthy ways is the question that's there and I think that's such a great question to to have some options for um, because I don't know that we're taught how to grieve. And at one point in time, we kind of crowdsourced this list of healthy ways to grieve. And um, it became a very interesting reference point. So we're going to start down this list and I'm just going to mention one and see what Joan and Sybil want to say about that. Say, first one was, it's okay to cry. (laughs) That was my first one too. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have to give ourselves permission sometimes to cry. Mm -hmm. I think too, sometimes I'm with people who are in a place of loss and they cry and they start apologizing and it just makes me so sad Mm -hmm. that they think they have to, uh, you know, that it's not right. That mm-hmm. it's not permissible or not in public. Or, or somehow they're less than because they do yeah, cry. I think it's beautiful. I think mm-hmm. it shows a, a glimpse of our souls. Mm-hmm. And not only does it show a glimpse of our souls, our broken hearts and our souls need to be watered. And oh. tears are the way of watering. And also within your bodies, it is scientifically studied that when you weep, there is um, a reordering mm-hmm. um, that uh, allows your body to realign and to re-engage. So there's an actually an article called The Gift of Tears. Yeah, there's a, a different chemical in yes. tears, uh, mm-hmm. of grief tears. Yes, in fact, look it up on the internet. They have microscopic photographs of different kinds of tears because tears of joy look different than tears of grief and mm-hmm. it's just really it's fascinating and mm-hmm. interesting and how can you not believe in god mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that somehow our body is expelling certain chemicals differently in the different kinds of tears that we have it's mm-hmm. amazing yes yeah, so uh, one of our listening guidelines along the way is uh is not to fix rescue or advise and we often talk about don't hand someone a tissue. It seems like kind of a nice little gesture, but the reason we tell people or suggest that they might not hand somebody a tissue, Sybil, what, why do we do that? Yes, well, we're asking them to mop it up. Uh, we don't want them to go any further, and really, they probably have many more tears, and if they've given, if they need a Kleenex, let them get it. Right, because otherwise we're telling them, I don't want to deal with your sadness or grief or yes. tears right now. Um, it, your emotion is making me feel uncomfortable. Yes. And for us to realize that there might be some resistance to other people's emotions in a way that maybe we, if we welcome them, something interesting might happen, not only for them, but for us. Mm-hmm. That there's a gift in those tears 
for both of us. Yes. And a, a point of vulnerability to be able to share. Okay, the second one on our list. We're not going to get through all these very quickly. We might have to do two parts in this one. So acknowledging the hurt. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, it makes me think of really the work of the Valley Map mm-hmm. of putting some words around the loss and the loss behind the loss and the emotions, if we can name them or attempt to name them, um, that are associated with it. Mm-hmm. It's an important part of the healing process. Right. And there is um, no emotion that is not acceptable. Uh, there may be deep rage. There may be um, just um, incredible bitterness uh, towards something that happened. Um, there may be blaming. There may be uh, anyway the the getting the emotions are a teacher. They they then help us know what the next step might be, or they open us to a way in which God might speak to us. And most of our cultures uh, have emotions that are allowed Mm -hmm. and emotions that are not allowed. And, uh, And so we need to be given some spacious space I think emotions and feelings too are, um, they're like indicator lights on your dashboard. Uh, you know, think about in your car, when those lights come on, you're like, wait, wait, I I need to attend to that yellow light that says check engine or Mm -hmm. do I not? But it's something I need to look into. Mm -hmm. And so being, um, aware and curious, about some of these emotions Mm -hmm. in our grief is, is an important work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I think we need to say that although rage is a is a valid emotion, it's just how we choose to express it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the boundary is if we're hurting other people, um, then it, it becomes an inappropriate expression of that particular emotion. But having the emotion itself is is not the problem. Mm-mm. And it's it's there are healthy and unhealthy ways to express mm-hmm. these emotions, and they are deep. Mm-hmm. They are very, very deep emotions that are in play here. Hmm. Okay, so find a community that will be with you is the next one on the list. Well, we talked about this um, related to this particular map. Companions are incredibly important. Life is not meant to be done alone. There are places where we may be by ourselves. There are places the way, uh, uh, the way people break people down is to put them in isolation uh, to try to get a particular behavior or information out of them. And so we know that we are built for community. And so in the places of grief and hurt and loss, um, we need others with us not to fix us not to do anything more than really be present and to be able to respond to what that person is needing. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, listening is, yes. is the key there. I, and listening and being with, I would say for sure. And it, it might be a, you know, it's a healthy way to compensate, but it's, um, you might have to stumble a bit in that one to find the right set of people for the deeper listening. Mm-hmm. And there might be other cluster of people that are just able to be present mm-hmm. with you, maybe not to go to the deeper places. And you, it, it, it might be a little, you know, kludgy until you kind of figure out who mm-hmm. those people are um, that are either a little further down the journey or they're just great listeners or um, they're able to walk alongside you or someone else in your life. Mm. Yes, and I like that you say you might take it might take a little time to find this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. So, yes. And people's be- capacities are different for listening and being with and yeah. The next two are related. It's spiritual directors and counselors. Well, those are some of those people. Yeah, it's kind of relates to what we just talked about. There's some deeper listening kind of people. I think um, those two in particular, it's nice to have somebody um, who's emotionally kind of unattached to you and your story and all the players in your story that can kind of take a step above and look down and, and help be reflected but still in this process of being with and listening in a mm-hmm. deeper way um well there are certainly losses where <coughs> and um jerry sitzer in his book a great um a grief disguise a, what no a, a grace, grace disguised a grace disguised um talks about um The inability, um, I lost it. To do this alone. Yes, Mm -hmm. to um, to do this alone. And and that it does take a little bit of time, but that sometimes that, uh, that the loss interrupted something that wasn't completed mm-hmm. so that so an unexpected w- yes so mm-hmm. um so an unexpected or an unresolved relationship mm-hmm. right and so in that regard a counselor is helpful uh, because there is a processing that I can't do maybe with that person mm-hmm. and uh, anymore but I need to be able to do that Sometimes mm-hmm. in the loss of a parent or through a divorce or others, I, I need to be able to sort that out to live with health going forward. Right. And, and, and these are people that have been academically trained mm-hmm. to know what the process of grief looks like. And there's no excuse for us just to be human with people and, and, and come alongside people in grief. But to have people that actually understand the anatomy of grief mm-hmm. to help you through it um, is invaluable. Mm-hmm. It's just been invaluable at different points. And I think the other thing related to spiritual directors is um, many of us have, um, well, we all have an interesting theological construct. And sometimes we don't know what it is until something happens to us. Mm-hmm. And so someone got a disease, and they told me, I did everything right. I went to church. I 
I read my Bible. I did. I went to Bible study. I did this. Why is this happening to what me? What did I do wrong? And so, um, so spiritual direction is about your intimacy with God. And so, in that place, a spiritual director might be helpful, or a spiritual listener in helping you sort out Mm -hmm. and letting go of the God that you have known up to this point, who is not the God who is, and letting that go to embrace a God who is big enough to be present in your current situation, no matter what it is. Right. So you have spoken to something right there that if someone has a theological construct of, okay, if I do everything right, then in trade, in turn, God will keep me away from these various different hurts and harms. Um, say a few more words about about how that theological construct doesn't work in grief. Well, things, <laughs> well, we are not in control of things that, happen to us. I mean, tornadoes come through, illness strikes, jobs are lost, um, children go awry. Um, we, uh, we let each other down. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, we, we are actually trying to earn God's love uh, in that kind of a in that kind of a theological construct and there is no earning of his love his love is freely given to us and so we have to let go of that way of trying to relate to God mm-hmm. and allow his love to enter the space that we cannot fix and that he has capacity to sort and guide and invite us to grow. Yeah. I mean, that's a double hurt, whatever the hurt was. And then also thinking that God must be mad at me. Mm-hmm. For a, to allow this to happen, he must be mad at me. Which is then putting putting ourselves in a place where we can't find God in the midst of it and not not even recognizing it. He wants to be with us in the difficulty to help us through it. Yeah. Well, so. we can't even find God. And it's sometimes someone just recently said to me, I think, uh, I think I have been hiding from hearing God because I don't really want to hear what he has to say to me. And so what I say is, God, if I hear you, I will do what you say. But in actuality, they were able to name that they have, um, they have a deaf ear. Hmm. You know, they, uh, and, and it was, and, and it was a fresh awareness. So I, to them, just at that particular mm-hmm. moment, it's been going on for some years. But just think about that. Um, uh, we, are, we are often deaf to the tones of God's love for us. And uh, 
because we have our fingers in our ears and saying, I can't hear you, God, where are you? Yes. Well, and our vision's not so good either, right? Our image of God is oftentimes incorrect. We're constantly re-imaging God. Yes. And that's part of our formation, but our vision is off. Mm -hmm. And we are a bit self-referenced in Mm -hmm. that we would actually like to be God. So... It quite gets in the way. Now there's the story of Adam and Eve rushing (laughs) forward into our own lives, right? So next on the list is use your body. So, you know, one way to use your body in a healthy way in in coping with your grief and your loss is things like walking have been important or running or kickboxing or punching bag or whatever. There's something about using your body in a physical way, not even in just a releasing way, but just as a way to express, um, you know, what is going on for you as you, as you move through your loss has been super important. Massage could be, or yoga could be another great one. Um, yoga in particular uses your breathing, which I think, um, allows you to open up some spaces. Yes. Because you have places where you think that you actually cannot breathe Mm -hmm. and uh, that you're losing, you have lost something Mm -hmm. or something that was very important to you. And so it does impact your breathing, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. So you always say that your body tells the story, right? Yes, it tells tells the truth truth, and it tells the truth. And so paying attention to our bodies is, uh, is critical. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, Uh, Paying attention to where we carry the pain. I mean, I Mm -hmm. felt today um, in my shoulders. And so, you know, I just sort of relax them. But sometimes with a child and even with myself, I'll put my hand just as you do with a child. Mm -hmm. uh, Tell me where that hurts. Mm -hmm. And uh, and sometimes it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. Somebody hurt them Mm -hmm. today or something. Mm -hmm. So where is your body carrying that? And then being quiet, putting my hand on it, which creates warmth, Mm -hmm. touch, Mm -hmm. and then saying, I wonder what this part might be wanting to say to you. Mm -hmm. And so you're giving it space to possibly express some words. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has been a wonderful way with children. And since, uh, you know, we have referenced the book, A Grace Disguised, a, a father who had young children uh, whose uh, their mother had died, and in the evening when he put them to bed, he would ask them that question um, uh, about what was good today, using the examine, and then asking them what was hard. Mm-hmm. And in the hardness, then he asked them, "Is there a place in your body that is holding that?" Yeah. And so, seeking then with the touch and the, with possible words, bringing comfort bringing comfort and presence to that particular place. I remember having a massage at one point and I was just, I was crying. And the, the masseuse said, do you just need to cry or you just need to let me know if I'm hurting you? You know, and, and, and I felt a little embarrassed that he knew I was crying and he said, no, it's perfectly fine. A lot of people come just to cry it's fine. You're in good hands, you know, and, and just realizing that he knew that he was creating a space 
for whatever needed to be released. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a gift. And my body was holding it in my neck and shoulders. And, and, I'll, and, and I, I've heard people say just to be able to put your hand like uh, on, on mm-hmm. you know, places in your body that are sore, even in the morning and say, I know you're hurting right now. I'll be good to you today. Mm-hmm. I'll watch out for you. You know, mm-hmm. just tell tell that part of your body that, that right. you'll be kind mm-hmm. um, to it and and care for it during that day. And just, you know, just try to re- breathe into it and relax. And in fact, the next one on the list is to breathe. Mm. And I, you know, so we're already halfway into that by by talking about our bodies. But when we're grieving and when you think about it when you when you cry really hard sometimes it's hard to catch your breath Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those one of those things where you have to be able to breathe in in order to breathe out Mm -hmm. and that rhythm of breathing and restoring the rhythm of breathing Sybil can't help but breathe as we do it right and uh and it's it's like just we talk about it we instinctively want to and when you just even just stop to breathe it's like acknowledging that the emotion is there and trying to see if is there a way to comfort the emotion in Mm -hmm. us and actually, with the breathing, and if you are in an open position in your body, you are really um, allowing oxygen to come into those parts of the body to allow them not to constrict and uh, to have a free-flowing movement. And I think that's a part of why walking is such a uh, a wonderful exercise. It isn't um, it isn't doing something that's super intense, which in at moments can be really helpful, but it's slowing you enough. And if you're walking outside, uh, you are in most places connecting to some form of creation. Right. right. And so. There's another invitation that comes in that. There are smells, there are sights, there are sounds, again, that your body is engaging and engaging in what is, what is really in you. And my, one of my losses was moving from Cincinnati to Chicago, my home for many years where we raised our children. And when we moved to Chicago, I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I can probably find some kind of a pill that will help me not feel so bad and uh, then I thought I could also walk and so I really walked most days and I paid attention to the creation Mm -hmm. and one of the things I noticed uh, in March was that all the oak leaves had not fallen and I just had the thought in my mind as my body is moving huh it's March I've been here for six months and I still am feeling this loss. And so I looked at those leaves and said, you haven't fallen either. either. And you as well, it seems okay mm-hmm. that I'm still holding this. And so just through creation and walking, I felt permission to be where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the walking gives us, a lot of times we start breathing in rhythm with our walk. 
are walking. So it can restore kind of a natural cadence mm-hmm. um, that that is a life flow kind of an in and out and all. And then when you talk about nature, I think that that's definitely one that needs to hit this list is just being in nature and finding places that that we can put our feet on the ground to feel grounded to take a hike or whatever i remember hiking in northern minnesota a couple years back and just being very very aware it was fall and there was a lot of moss and a lot of mushrooms because it's such a wet environment. Lots of um, evergreen trees and all in the mix of it all. Lots of trees that have fallen and decayed and a lot of things growing out of them. You know, the moss and the mushrooms and, and everything growing out of it. And, and I thought to myself, this is how things are. There, something dies and new life comes. You know, so even in the fall, it wasn't just in the spring, but there's just this evidence of there's in the fall, there was so much evidence of the decay, Mm -hmm. but yet there was still evidence of life, but usually in very small forms emerging and, but something dies and something comes from it. Mm -hmm. And there's a rhythm to how grieving works in that same way too if we are willing to kind of just release whatever it is we're grieving for enough cuz i think in the in the in the grasping of it and the holding on tight to it there's also sometimes more suffering involved than than somehow this surrender to what is Mm-hmm. cuz most of our losses it just is what it is mm-hmm. but we're still holding on to it so tightly and nature tells us the truth too mm-hmm. i think that creation um for me it awakens my soul and it, it awakens parts in me that i didn't know were asleep or dead or numb i think a lot of grief has to do with feeling yeah numb and mm-hmm. I think creation is one of those ways of, of waking up some parts of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Tenboom and Betsy had a dream uh, when they were both in the concentration camp of having a house uh, oh, for yeah. people after the war and of uh, planting uh, gardens. And Betsy died before they, um, before Corey was freed from the. Uh, uh, from the prison, and she then went and found a house and took in people who had come out of the war and out of the trauma. And one of the first things they did was um, they planted plants. And so you began to see what uh, you talked about, Sharon, that cycle of um, of things there is a sense of dying but even the stewardship of that which is decaying is really feeding the new birth that is coming so everything is um is used and and reused and so that which is dying comes forth in that new plant um in a way if we get our hands into it we actually can experience it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it provides a healing 
within us. Yeah, and speaking of Corrie ten Boom and the concentration camps, and I remember when I visited Dachau, um, one of the one of the camps um, when I was oh, when we were traveling one time, and what an emotional experience it was to see one of these places and the gas chambers and 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 all, it was just overwhelming with the amount of 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 to walk into this place where you know that this much death and mm -hmm. destruction had happened and yet interestingly enough the surrounding landscape was rather barren at that time of year i don't remember what time of year it was but the grass was incredibly green and vibrant in a color that was so striking and but that was actually where the ashes of the people were spread was in this mm. in this area and it was just like this just overwhelming sadness but yet here is this greenness of this grass that was more vibrant than i had ever seen before coming out of this that this many years later that sir that soil is so fertile mm -hmm. and made me just wonder you know what what would these people tell us today mm -hmm. mm. what would they tell us about how to live right these people that have that were that were so so oppressed and, and suffered so much so yeah there's there's just these interesting little interludes that happen as we intersect nature that just kind of sometimes just bring a question mm -hmm. and a wondering or a noticing or bring a bring a sense of peace that you just can't quite get in another way you know maybe there's a babbling brook somebody mentioned the other day to me that remembering um, one of their peak experiences about riding horses as a kid. And she says, you know, there's a there's a horse farm not too far, far away from me. And I've never just gone to the fence and looked at the horses. Hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, well, why don't I go do that? You know, just these these pieces of 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 clues as to what our soul what might bring our soul alive. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you enjoyed this part of the conversation on how to grieve in healthy ways. We're going to push pause on it and pick up the rest of the list next week. So this podcast episode will come in a part one, part two, and I hope that you'll tune in again next week. Go ahead and search through the rest of our podcast episodes. We're all about helping you to recognize and respond to God in your story. So we've got plenty of topics in the archive now to browse through to find other useful topics. Until next week, this is Sharon Swing. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. 
While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com.